You're listening to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans for Ohio State fans on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Welcome back to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans for Ohio State fans from the West Coast. I'm your host, Zach Moore. Today is Sunday, January 3rd, and I'm very happy to be joined once again by fellow South Stands contributor Paige Van Horn from Denver PBH. How's it going, my friend? Uh, I'm good, buddy. I'm uh, ready to take my public flogging like a man here. I'm sure, uh, sure Sloaner's has been crafting metaphors of my demise for the last 48 hours, so I, I can't wait to get into it. All right. Well, we will get you in front of the firing squad here momentarily. We are also joined by fellow South Stands contributor Chad Plummer from Cleveland CP. What's the word from the 216? All good here in the 216, just still floating above ground, man, from Friday night. So, All right. So I love that's it. That's where I'm at. Okay. Our man on the ground in New Canaan, Tim Gallagher, is also back with us today. Tim, how are you, my friend? Cheers, boys. All good here. Excellent. Finally, special contributor Matt Sloan from Brooklyn, back with us again today. Sloaner, good to be with you. How's 2021 treating you so far, buddy? So far, so good. It had some rugelach, made some fresh coffee, and uh, yeah, I was able to touch my toes this morning. So good day so far. <laughs> All right. So on <laughs> Friday night, just about 36 hours ago, in the Sugar Bowl, number three, Ohio State would storm back from an early 14-7 first quarter deficit to take a 21-14 second quarter lead over number two, Clemson. With six minutes and 12 seconds to play before the half, the Buckeyes were on the move again, facing a third and 13 from the Clemson 30 Justin Fields was flushed from the pocket and made a mad dash for the first down marker at the Clemson 17-yard line and was met violently by Clemson middle linebacker James Skalski, who speared Fields in the ribs with the crown of his helmet one yard short of the first down marker. Fields lay writhing in pain at the Clemson 18-yard line, and Buckeye Nation held its collective breath for what seemed like an hour. It was only the second quarter, but the Buckeyes had Clemson on the ropes. We could all sense the outcome for Ohio State would be very different from the 2019 Fiesta Bowl unless Fields was unable to get up from that vicious hit by Skulski. At that moment, Paige, what were you thinking? You just explained it. I mean, you're holding your breath that he's got to get up. Yep. Um, it, it, to, to that point, I was remarkably calm. Um, but <laughs> okay. that went out the window when he was down on the field. Tim, how about you? What were you thinking at that moment? Uh, I was thinking that there's absolutely no way that he's going to play the rest of the game. And I started going through my head trying to think, okay, CJ Stroud or Jack Miller, like who's going to come in? How's this going to work? And uh, we've seen so little of them this year that, you know, the downward spiral of we're kicking their ass right now. And now this is about to go the other way. Hard started happening big time. Oh God. I was right there with you guys. I felt exactly the same way, but as fate would have it, Skalski would be ejected for targeting and fields who was clearly in a lot of pain. We could see that would have to leave the game, but only briefly and would return one play later to throw a nine yard touchdown to Chris Olave to put the Buckeyes up 28 14. It was the biggest flex in the seven-year history of the college football playoff and one of the greatest fuck you moments in Ohio State football history. And in my opinion, that was the ball game. Now, Fields would lead the Buckeyes on another scoring drive right before the half 
The Buckeyes took a very comfortable 35-14 lead into the locker room and were never seriously threatened after that. The final score, Ohio State 49, Clemson 28. The Buckeyes advanced to the college football playoff championship game against number one Alabama in Miami on January 11th. Now, Justin Fields, what can you say? Finished the night 22 of 28 for 385 yards and a Sugar Bowl record, six passing touchdowns. Running back Trey Sermon's improbable late season surge continued. Sermon finished with 193 yards rushing on 31 carries and a touchdown. And junior receiver Chris Olave redeemed himself and then some from the mistake he made in last year's Fiesta Bowl that resulted in that horrible game-ending interception. Olave torched the Clemson secondary for 132 yards receiving on six receptions and two touchdowns. On the other side of the ball, the Ohio State defense was very effective in a bend-but-don't-break approach to Trevor Lawrence. Travis Etienne and the Clemson offense. Now, Lawrence finished with 400 yards passing, but on 48 attempts against a Buckeye secondary that was mostly successful in limiting those big throws down the field that I think that we were all afraid of. And despite the absences of defensive end Zach Harrison and Tyler Friday, the Ohio State defensive line harassed Lawrence most of the night, sacking him twice, forcing him into two fumbles and an interception. Perhaps even more importantly, the Buckeye defense completely shut down Lawrence as a runner, holding him to negative eight yards rushing on 10 carries. And the front seven bottled up Travis Etienne, holding him to only 96 yards from scrimmage on 14 touches. Etienne was really never able to get anything going either on the ground or as a receiver. That was pretty remarkable. Finally, Clemson's leading receiver, Amari Rogers, who we thought had a major matchup advantage operating out of the slot, was held to 54 yards receiving. Pretty awesome performance by the defense. All right, fellas, to get our roundtable started, I like to go around the horn to get a high-level takeaway or two from this performance by the Buckeyes on Friday night. Matt Sloan, I want to start with you. Well, you know, I was harping on uh, the coaching and I on a previous podcast, and what I saw across the board was a superiorly mentally focused team. Yeah. Uh, and I think... I mean, we talk about this all the time is that you got to learn from your failures. And I think the biggest step, like last year's team had far more talent in my mind, mm -hmm. but this team was hardened, which with, with, with less of an ego and more of a focus, they had the balance of strut and, and kind of strategy kind of balanced out. Right. But coaching staff wise, and I think getting the team ready. So when, they didn't let off the gas with these guys. And right. they did that last year to, to, to a degree from coaching on down. So I think the preparation really came through on the field. Mm -hmm. uh, these guys had no let up. They weren't going, they were going to, they were going to hang 50 if they could. Uh, they didn't stop. They made sure that they kept attacking um, the ball on both sides, yeah. you know, and I think that was the key, Jets, just that kind of like, we're not going to let up until we're going to hear, hear that final whistle when those triple four zeros come up. And that to, me, that to me was the biggest thing that came through on the field. Very nice. Very nice. Chad, how about you? Give me one high-level takeaway that you, you have from this performance. I know you guys were all ragging on Day and, and all that, <laughs> but uh, Day showed he's one of the best college football coaches in America yeah. right now. And there's a reason for that. That was one of the most prepared teams that I, I can ever remember seeing it was just I mean these guys were laser focused they were ready to go they had a plan they executed it they brought in you know they spread the offense 
And the boys on both sides of the balls, man, they just dug in the trenches and, yeah. and we just we kicked their ass. It was just, it was unbelievable. I totally agree. But yeah. With that. It's like Ryan, that's my, my point would be Ryan Day cemented himself as one of the best coaches in college football. Paige, how about you? I, I don't know that anybody was ragging on Ryan Day. I think we just <laughs> no said. No was ragging on him. Yes. He, he, you oh, know. it was it, maybe not ragging, but there was a lot of Ryan Day. Well, coaches. yeah, rightfully like, so. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. great. It's it's yeah. one thing to beat, you know, Minnesota. To, to Minnesota and, you know, knocking off uh, Buffalo. He needed to win that game. But, um, yeah, look, man, they, they won the game 49 to 28. So obviously everything worked. The game plan worked. The coaching was excellent. The execution of the plan was great. Um, and, and most importantly, the individual performances were above and beyond. And that really, in this, you know, you called out plumber goes to Justin Fields. In, in a game like this, you know, everything does matter, right? You got to get breaks and, you know, Slavsky getting thrown out, you know, like stuff like that happens. But, your best players have to make plays. And as I, you know, kind of talked about on the prediction pod, I thought that, you know, whichever quarterback played the better game, you'd be talking about, well, hey, that's the team that actually won the game on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Fields outplayed Lawrence by a yeah. mile. Yes, I mean, he did. It was just, it, it was crazy how good he was. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they bottled up Lawrence. Now, huge props to the defensive line and the whole front seven for taking away what Clemson wanted to do. And that had a, you know, big, obviously, you know, factor on limiting, uh, you know, how uh, effective Lawrence was. Right. But at the end of the day, Fields was the difference in this game. I mean, I don't know that it can be said any other way. And the fact that he did it with bruised ribs or whatever he had is just miraculous. Miraculous. And I, you know, when you and I talked about it uh, a little bit yesterday, Zach, and has there ever been a better gutsier performance in the history of high state football, or at least in the modern era that I've witnessed? I mean, yeah, maybe something's happened in the thirties, but come on, that has got to be, the greatest or one of the top two greatest performances in Buckeye football history, in my opinion. I tend to agree with that. Tim, how about you? What was one of your big takeaways from the performance yesterday? Yeah, I mean, I it goes without saying, Justin Fields was the best player on the field by a long way. Um, but, but that aside, um, you know, the prediction pod, when you asked about matchups, I basically said I like our defensive line against their offensive line mm-hmm. and our offensive line against their defensive line. Yes, you and, did. Uh, the, those two, to me, those two matchups, were the difference in the game outside of fields and when when you look at it it's not just uh it's not just the matchups when you look at the flow of the game and how it unfolded the offensive line just absolutely dominated in that second quarter when ohio state needed them to dominate right the first quarter was a lot of back and forth and mm-hmm. those first couple drives you're like shit it looks like Clemson's going to score a will but but, you know, the defense stepped up and, and, and was able to shut them down. But in large part, I mean, Ohio State held the ball a lot in the second quarter. Uh, credit to the offensive line for doing that mm-hmm. uh, and Sermon and the game planning and everything else. But, but then you kind of flip to the second half of the game. And that's when the defensive line really stepped up and just gave Lawrence all kinds of issues. Uh, and they couldn't stop Cooper. They couldn't stop Garrett. Those guys were in the backfield on every play and Clemson's beginning to press because they're down and those guys dominated. And so it wasn't just the game long matchups, but it was when they dominated and how that impacted the game that I felt like was really important because we, we needed the defensive line in the fourth quarter to shut them down. 
Um, and we needed the offensive line in the second quarter to establish the lead. So mm-hmm. to me, I think that was a big difference in the game. Yeah. And you know, what's even more remarkable about that is both units were shorthanded, right? We were down two pretty important rotational players at defensive end in Tyler Friday and Zach Harrison on the defensive line. And then we're down our starting left guard. Harry Miller goes out and then Matthew Jones goes down. And how I, I laughed out loud because then <laughs> then they roll Paris Johnson Jr. out there like, okay, well, here's Paris Johnson Jr., the number one tackle in the country uh, filling in. He, oh, by the way, he can also play guard. I mean, if you're Clemson, you're like, oh, my God. Like they, these dudes, these goons, they just keep bringing them off, <laughs> off the sideline into the game. And it didn't, it didn't matter. I mean, like whoever played, dominated just to your point it it was a really really impressive performance i agree with you tim they brought out johnson and it was time for breakfast pancake time <laughs> did you and he had oh that, dude that I, was so amazing <laughs> he had one of those like blindside moments you guys see the movie the blind side there's a scene in that movie where uh yeah. michael Orr, the the player that's featured in that in that story you know basically blocks a, a defender across the field out of bounds and like into the stands Paris Johnson had a moment like that on Friday, which was pretty, pretty remarkable. I got a couple of takeaways. I mean, going into this game, the conventional thinking was Alabama and Clemson were in a class by themselves with Ohio State at the top of the next level just beneath them, which also included probably Georgia, Oklahoma, maybe Notre Dame. But Ohio State was at the top of that echelon, but still not quite at Alabama and Clemson's level. I think with that performance on Friday, Ohio State is now squarely in that upper echelon with Bama and Clemson. There is no doubt in my mind, even regardless of the outcome of the national championship game, I think Ohio State belongs in that conversation now for sure. And I mentioned this to you guys over text, but I don't think in my 40 years as a rabid college football fan, have I seen something backfire worse on a head coach than Dabo Sweeney voting Ohio State 11th on his ballot for the coaches bowl after championship Saturday. It was a gigantic miscalculation that he continued to double down on every time he was asked about it and that he would gift that level of bulletin board material to an Ohio State program that has been lethal since like 2012 as an underdog is either the height of arrogance or stupidity or self-unawareness. I don't know what, but it blew up in Sweeney's face so badly that even people who had no connection to Ohio State football whatsoever have been pointing and laughing at him for the last 36 hours. And it was a huge cherry on top of that win. For me, that it was almost worth going through the pain of that heartbreaking loss in the Fiesta Bowl last year to arrive at this point. So thank you, Dabo Sweeney, for that. And finally, before the game, I saw an interview with James Laurinaitis on the Colin Cowherd show. And Laurinaitis was very concerned about the lack of game reps that Ohio State had going into this game. And he felt like that that was going to be a huge factor. He wasn't the only one saying that. And my contention was, and I mentioned this to you guys over text, look, the guys that are going to be deciding the outcome in this game are juniors, seniors, in some cases, fifth-year seniors, sixth-year seniors, logged a lot of snaps. They played in a lot of big games. I didn't think it would be an issue, and it certainly wasn't an issue. Ohio State took care of business despite that. Why don't we dive in to what Ohio State did on each side of the ball? Now, most of the fireworks for the Buckeyes were, of course, on offense. So I'd like to dive into what each of you saw from the Buckeyes on that side of the ball. Matt, I want to kick this back to you. What did you see from the offense against Clemson that stood out to you? Well, I'll be charitable and allow the the, the tight end conversation to uh, the page take that because he did talk about that and he likes tight ends in more, way, in more ways than one. <laughs> uh, um, but I, I, what I really liked, what I liked from Fields is uh, what I saw in the offense is that he was hitting 
open receivers for the large, for, not all the time, but on, for the big, for the big games, for the one for Alave. Mm-hmm. I mean, the passes that he threw in the end zone to that one to Rucker was just like phenomenal. It was just like, Laser. He he, but it's like he, Rucker has amazing hands too. He just basically yanked it in and that was fantastic. I, I just saw a lot better, what would I call more calculated risks that, that paid off for us right. and using our, our resources, especially on our wide receiver, how deep the depth of it. Yes, there's a lobby in Wilson, but like I, you know, Williams, uh, my triple is still uh, Jameson Williams was just, <laughs> he's, I mean, he's open a lot and I think that he's easily the fastest guy on the team. So yeah. I think that they use that to their advantage and he hit, he looked for someone other than Olave or other than Wilson. And I think it really made us a different team offensively. Yeah. Seven different receivers for Ohio state caught passes to your point, Tim, how about you? Yeah, I'd say two quick things. Um, I mean, look, everything worked seemingly on offense from play calling to execution to every position group, you know, really did their job well. Um, I think one thing I saw Justin Fields do differently um, following on from Matt's point about not only about spreading it around, but um, he hit uh, he hit Sermon uh, at least a couple times just right out of the backfield. And he had gone through progressions. Nobody was open. And rather than force a throw, he just dumped it out to Sermon and Sermon ended up getting you know, 10 or 15 yards out of it. Yeah. Um, that, that, that was something that we've been wanting to see out of Justin Fields is don't try and be a hero, just take what you can get. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I thought that was a huge improvement in this game and, and, and pay dividends. So hopefully, uh, you know, we continue to see that out of them um, uh, when we play Alabama, because I think they're going to need it. I think he's going to need to be patient. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, and then, you know, look, just given everything worked on offense, I got to give a plug to my boy, Mayan Williams. How, how good was that run? Oh, That's yeah. what we have to look forward to. I can't <laughs> wait until he's seeing the field. Yeah. That guy's a badass. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he did. He had a, a really nice run. I can't remember how long that went for. Let's see, Williams. Yeah, a 15-yard run. It, in uh, they, they gave they gave Sermon a little bit of a rest there for a couple plays. And the, the run you're referring to, Tim, went for about 15 yards. And boy, he finished off. I think it was, I think it was, wait, it was he their stud Nolan safety. Turner Nolan Turner, you're right. Yeah, he punished yeah. Nolan Turner at the end of that run. Yeah, I love that. Chad, how about you? What did you see from the offense that stood out? Chris Olave is one of the best route runners Ohio State has had. Yes, he is. I mean, again, guys, just he he really is. I mean, like Justin overthrew him in that first quarter when he completely blew by that receiver, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I was just sitting there watching some highlights and like he put a move on that one Clemson defensive back. Like he didn't even know where he was. He, the <laughs> one that was caught right there at the side of the end zone. Uh-huh. That guy was like, had no clue where he was. Um, you know, and to Tim's point, Sermon, he had four catches for 61 yards. Yeah. That's huge, man. That is huge. And I tell you what, that, that, uh, another young player that uh, Smith, Njigba, he uh, Jigba, he yeah. had a good game too. Yeah. Do you see some of those blocks he had on there? Yeah, he blocked. One, well. I was a little worried he was going to get a penalty on him because he took the guy completely out of bounds. Just you know, running smack, which I love. But you know, like you know, you can't say any more about the tight ends. The offensive line, I mean, those guys are just studs. And you know, Fields was just, uh, I mean, that one toss that was that was sixty yards in the air. Yeah, to Olave. Yeah, I think they said it was so, 61 yards in the air, the, the long ball to Alave. I think it was over, over yeah. 60, which was a rainbow. Craziness. Yeah. I was just going to say something about Fowler. Because, you know, 
Fowler's kind of a homer. He really never gives Ohio State, but he, uh, to what you said earlier, Zach, about the, one of the best performances we've ever seen, this and that. Fowler actually gave us kudos and said something along the lines of that exact same thing. Probably one of the gruffiest, best performances I've seen covering college football in 30 years. Yeah. Uh, I was yeah. kind of shocked by that. <laughs> Paige, what did you see from the offense that stood out? There's something about Alave that's just a calming force for mm-hmm. that offense and for Fields specifically. Um, when you need to play, you know, you just feel like that guy's there. He's gonna he's gonna get it done for you. And I just I don't know. It's just you know, thinking back to the Northwestern game, him not being in, I just would have never thought a wide receiver could have the impact on a game that Alave's had. Um, but man, it really came through uh, against Clemson. And mm-hmm. then it, you know, the other thing that I was thinking about is, you know, going back to the coaching and the execution and the game plan and the fact that Ohio state only played six games, but even you could make the argument two of those games, right. I mean, they were a shell of what the team could be. Right. And I just wonder if day and Wilson just played turtle for those first six games and just ran the most vanilla offense that they could possibly run. Right. They knew about record. I mean, come on, spreading the ball around Pharaoh. I mean, like yeah. they know those guys are weapons, but they just kept it in their back pocket specifically for the playoffs, specifically for mm-hmm. Clemson, and then just unleashed fury at these guys. And, you know, it was coming at them from so many different directions. And Clemson clearly had no answers. So I, you know, I don't know if that's true or not, but it's just one of the things that I was thinking about because, you know, it's like, well, why aren't they doing that? Or why aren't they doing this? And it's mm-hmm. like, well, guess what? We're playing you know, Illinois or whomever, and it's not that important. So we're not going to show all our cards. And I wonder if that was part of the game plan from a big picture perspective from Dan Wilson the entire time. That seems reasonable to me. I mean, the the play that comes to mind to back up your point was that nifty throwback pass to record on the, that first touchdown. And we hadn't seen that all year long. Little yeah. little wrinkles like that, that, that they did. They Maybe they set that up by putting something else on film. And that play was wide open. That when was they a ran great it. Play. Yeah, that was a great play. No, I totally agree with you. I I saw a much better plan from Ryan Day, four fields in the passing game in this one. Tim, you mentioned the check down throws to Sermon that were there and that were also very productive. Now, Sermon had a big catch on Ohio State's first touchdown drive, right? The big check down that went for 34 yards. Paige, I wanted to echo your point about what a calming influence uh, Olave is on that offense. It was Olave who got Ohio State's first da- first first down in the game, if you remember, on their second possession. And I remember taking a deep exhale at that point. I was like, okay, here we go. Olave's back. And that really seemed to get the Ohio State offense in a rhythm. You guys have already mentioned the tight ends involved in the passing game, but the first time uh, was another wrinkle that was added to this plan by Day. I give him a ton of credit for that. Farrell and Rucker accounted for three touchdowns. Rucker especially just killed Clemson. I also like the way Day mixed up his tempos. thought he did that beautifully. And there was much better balance between the run and the pass in this game. It really all came together. 49 points, 639 yards of offense against a Clemson defense that came into this game sixth in the country in total defense and fifth in defensive yards per play. So huge kudos to Ryan Day. I think the criticism that we all had of Day was fair. But Chad, I'm with you, man. After this performance, Day really demonstrated that he is one of the best coaches in the game today. One other observation, Clemson has some dudes on the defensive line, some guys that are clearly going to be playing on Sundays, right? Like that Brian Breezy, that 
defensive tackle. I thought he looked very impressive. They have some other guys on that line that clearly look like NFL players. But after Skulski got ejected, man, I didn't really think they looked impressive at all at linebacker or in the secondary. I mean, I remember being way more impressed by their athletes in the back seven last year. And I mean, they don't have anybody like an Isaiah Simmons in that back seven. And then Ohio State skill guys, the way they looked in comparison to them. And we got NFL players. Some of those Clemson linebackers and defensive backs, I mean, do they look like they should be playing at like Wisconsin or Northwestern? To your point, Z, like even before he got hurt or ejected, I mean, they were lost, man. And like, I know Gallagher, you made a big point of that. Remember when we called the timeout right at the beginning when like, we we're like, what the hell are you doing? Like, like you snap the ball. Those guys don't know what the hell they're, they're doing. They're confused. Out there. You yeah. remember that, Tim? Yeah. yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. So they, yeah. they looked lost, man. They, they looked lost. And they also, to me, look like physically, uh, athletically, they couldn't keep up. I think there's no better evidence of that than all three starting wide receivers had a, a pass reception of 45 yards or longer. Olave had a 56-yarder. Jamison Williams had a 45-yarder. Both those went for touchdowns. Garrett Wilson had a 47-yarder that set up another touchdown. Olave, as you mentioned, CP was wide open on another long throw that, that Fields barely overthrew. I mean, we were running behind their secondary all day long. And then when we got throws underneath to tight ends and running backs, I mean – we were punishing their their linebackers and the, and and, and uh, defensive backs, you know, at the second level. So I was very impressed by that. Clemson didn't seem there was one point, and I, I should have gone back and looked. There was maybe mid to late third quarter, fourth quarter. Lawrence was on the sideline. They had no emotion. They yeah. weren't. It, 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 Lawrence just was kind of standing by Sweeney and was point. just kind of talking to him. And I'm I remember saying to Juan, I'm like, look at these guys. I mean, they're getting their ass kicked. But they're not, you know, running up and, you know, going Tom Brady up and down the sidelines, screaming at each other, getting in each other's faces. They were they were defeated at that point. And, mm-hmm. You know, I, I was I, I mean, it, it, it was striking to me the lack of emotion that they had on the sidelines. And maybe it's just because they felt like, holy shit, you know, we, we cannot run with these guys. Yeah, they were shell shocked. for yeah. sure. There, there's a word for that page. It's called hubris. And when you're so fucking arrogant because you think you're going to kick the other team's ass and then you get your ass kicked, that's what that look is that you saw on their face. Making a prediction of your team going to lose to said team because you yourself have hubris. And then you take that same little ball of hubris and you go parlay with Notre Dame. And then you, 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 you walk around with a hat on with what looks like a sock and everything you th- and then you start drinking Heineken's at two in the afternoon and you think the world is beautiful and it is indeed beautiful but not for the reasons you thought it would be that's hubris I, I don't I, I think hubris is the wrong adjective for that it's it's truthfulness but I don't know if you truthiness yeah, I don't know if it's hubris. It might be stupidity, um, but all those things are true. Hey, man, you know, I I, I took a swing. I, you know, I, what can I say? I was wrong. Wow. Like any good. Well, I want you to wear that hat again Monday night. Yeah. yeah by the exactly. way, that could... I want you to predict against the Buckeyes again because that seems to be a formula that works. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, well, Paige will continue to take some guff here as we go along. What Guys, why don't we move along to the Ohio State defense? Because I want to get from each of you your impressions on what you, you saw from the Ohio State defense, which was a pretty impressive performance. Tim, let's start with you. 
So um, for me, a couple things. One is um, in, in particular on the defensive line, um, I felt like Cooper may have played the best game he ever played as a Buckeye. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, there were several plays late in the game during critical situations where Clemson scores like, yeah, we had a lead, but like if they were to, to get a quick score, it would have become uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, he was literally unblockable. Um, yeah, I think Herbstreit was talking about how like, well, you know, Cooper is not like a fast twitch guy, but like he got around, he got around the offensive lineman and to, uh, to Lawrence, uh, in, in such a way that was, um, uh, it just, he was a different player. Yeah. Um, and I felt like that's something I hadn't seen out of him before. Hilliard, you know, just, just guys turned into a hero. I mean, it's so great to see from both of those guys as like six year players. Yeah. Um, I think you said it, Zach, he's become our best linebacker to me. I think there's no question about that this year. The guys has been absolutely, uh, a stud all year. Um, and then, you know, and the back end, I have to say I was hard on Wade, uh, because I felt like, um, I felt like he was getting picked on. And I felt like Clemson saw something, but then, you know, really kind of looking at the box scores. I mean, he gave up some yards, but on the other hand, he had the most tackles on the defense. He had seven solo tackles. So like, and he gave up no big plays. Right. So, you know, while, while at the time I was pretty frustrated with Wade because I thought he could play better and in looking at it, I think he probably played better than, uh, than I'd originally given him credit for. I mean, that's coaching 101, right? You take away what the other team wants to do. Mm-hmm. And clearly the game plan, at least my opinion, the game plan was, hey, we are not going to let Lawrence and ETN kill us. Right. And then by the way, Wade, Proctor, Banks do not get beat deep, right? And I will live with 12-yard completions all day long. They're going to have to make five or six of them on a given drive to go ahead and you know go down the field and beat us. And I think that was definitely the plan. So yeah, yeah. I'm with you, Gallagher. Like you know, we were all screaming at the you know TV and you know, away. What are you doing? And then you go back and you look at it and say, I'll bet you a hundred bucks that was the game plan the entire time. Just don't get beat deep. Yeah. Make these guys yeah. go the length of the field. And we're not going to let Lawrence and ETN beat us. And the, and the other thing is, you could tell from those very few few first series, the Clemson was very concerned about our defensive line. Lawrence had the ball out of his hands within two seconds, Yeah. right? I mean, he was just dumping it. it. I mean, it was just crisp. They were exploiting, you know, the perimeter, but they knew that if he just stood back there for three or four seconds, we were going to get to him. And then eventually, you know, they fell behind and they couldn't control that. So that's what had to happen. But it was obvious that the game plan was get the ball out of Lawrence's hands quickly. And I, th- I think that, you know, yeah, it, it it was kind of painful to watch, you know, Wade and some of those guys give up those underneath throws, but that was probably part of the game plan the entire time. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that was totally part of the game plan. They kept talking about how Wade was bailing. He would be over his man in what looked like would be press coverage, but at the snap, he was bailing every time. So they were really, again, they were satisfied with giving up some of that stuff underneath. Uh, Cornell Powell was their leading receiver with 139 yards and two touchdowns, but you know, you look at the box score, you're like, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, he did have kind of a nice game, but I mean, were those yards that impactful? To me, it was kind of like in a basketball game, you know, you're getting blown out, but you score 30 points. It was like, oh great, well you scored 30 points, but you lost by 20. That's kind of what I felt like uh, Clemson got out of the passing game. It was just, they were just yards. They, they weren't super impactful and they didn't really keep Clemson in the game. Matt, how about you? 
I, I'll say really quickly, I think there's this, the mirror, they mirrored the offense. They did a more kumbaya, like everyone not relying on one person to play outstanding, but everyone to play solid. Everyone yeah. to when they had their moment to deliver, they delivered. And I think that's when you have a bunch of five stars and have a talent rich team, you, that works best. You don't have to rely on one person. And I think what we saw is like the thing that we talk about all the time is just like, let's use the talent that we have and just keep teams on their heels. And I think that worked really well um, defensively as well. I'm like, you know, the linebackers, everyone played a really solid game and people stood up when they had to stand up. And uh, like Tim, I was hard on Wade as well, but yeah, he had a lot of tackles and you may be, and you guys may be right. It was a bend don't break plan. And that's, that worked beautifully. There's one play that stood out to me and Chad, I'm going to kick it to you here in a moment. I just want to mention this one play that I thought really kind of illustrated this great team approach that they took to playing defense. And it was Josh Proctor Tim, you had pointed this out in the moment over text. Proctor, I think at this point, Clemson was up 7-0 and they had the ball again. Ohio State went three and out. They had the ball again. I think it was third down, if I'm not mistaken. And there was a tight end wide open down the seam that could have gone for a touchdown. And he was wide open because Proctor bit on an underneath route and left his deep safety spot. But on that same play, Pete Warner blitzed and got right in Lawrence's face to force a bad throw. And that bailed out Proctor. But I mean, that's if there's team defense in football, that play would illustrate that, right? One guy got beat, but he had a teammate right there, you know, who had his back and forced a bad throw. And Clemson wasn't able to take advantage of the mistake. So I thought that was really cool to see. And we hadn't seen a lot of that prior to yesterday. Chad, I want to kick this to you. What did you see from the Ohio State defense that stood out? It was just so that I seen him play as a unit, man. I tell you what. And one of the funniest things I saw, and I, I sent this to you guys yesterday. I don't know if you like actually looked at it, and you may have already sent it out to you. Is it was a, a handoff from Tracy Lawrence to uh, ETN, <laughs> and after like he like Browning just put him right, like hit Lawrence, put him right on his ass. Yeah. And Lawrence was sitting there on the ground, like raising his arms, like, "Hey, what the fuck is that?" You know, it was so great. Yeah. <laughs> Just took him right off its feet. They oh, were very beautiful. physical. Was just a, yeah. yeah. Look, I think I owe the Ohio State linebackers an apology. I've been doubting them since last season. You guys know that. I've been very, you know, opinionated about about those players. And I'd been concerned for months that they just didn't have what it would take to shut down running threats as good as Travis Etienne and Trevor Lawrence. And on Friday night, they completely stonewalled the Clemson running game. 44 yards on 22 attempts. Lawrence, who ran for 107 yards on 16 carries in the Fiesta Bowl last year, he was the difference in the game. His running was the difference in that game, was held to negative eight yards rushing on 10 carries on Friday night. ETN held to 10 carries for 32 yards. So very impressive. And a lot of that is due to the play of the linebackers. Tim, I'm going to echo what you just said. I continue to be amazed by Justin Hilliard's who's had to wait six years and battle through so many frustrating injuries to get to this point. Now, I agree with you. He is Ohio State's best linebacker, and he's here with a chance to win a national championship. And I also think with the way this dude has played this season, he made himself a little bit of money. You know, he's he's going to get drafted, and I think he's going to make an NFL roster, and I think he stands to make some, some nice money playing professionally. So kudos to the Ohio State linebackers and to Justin Hilliard in particular. I'm not sure how tough Borland won the defensive MVP. Like he did, I think he was very good. The defense, you know, he was part of a really, really good defensive front seven. 
but how the hell did he win the defensive MVP? Because I can I could list off like three or four players that should have gotten that over him. But I guess let him have it. He's taken a lot of shit, especially from me, you know, and Ohio State fans all over the place. So kudos to Borland for for winning the MVP there. Why don't we take a few minutes and have a peek? at Ohio State's mashup in the national championship game with number one Alabama. I just want to get how each of you is feeling right now without really having dug into the matchup, how you're feeling right now about it. Chad, let me go back to you. How do you feel about Ohio State's chances in that game against Bama? I'm very confident that we can play with Alabama. Yes, their offense is, is a good, you know, Smith is in the league of his own. I mean, you know, he's just an all-around baller. Um, Najee Harris is great, but their defense, Matt Jones, you know, he's a good quarterback, but their defense doesn't impress me whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So as long as we can get, like we were talking about the night, we were checking in the game, you know, you get a stop here, there, and we keep scoring. I have no problem with us beating Alabama by 10. Wow. By 10. Okay. Matt, give me your thoughts on this matchup. I, you know, I think it's, you know, Chad makes some really strong points uh, in terms of, you know, their defense is, is their liability. But, you know, we just had a really good defensive game. So we can't, we need to have as good of a game, if not better, against their offense because their offense is better as a whole team, better than Clemson, in my view. Yeah, um, so, mm-hmm. so our defense, it's really going to be incumbent on, you know, a, a same, Kumbaya, everyone is a unit playing together because that's the type of thing that's going to win. And I think we could look at like a same kind of game that we saw against Clemson. But I think that uh, Saban's been in positions like this before and there's a little bit he's going to come with a very solid plan. But uh, I'm like like Chad, I'm very encouraged. But again, we're going to we can't rest on our laurels. And this has to be something where we have to bring this as diligent of a game plan and approach and getting them ready as we did against Clemson. I should have mentioned that Ohio State, the early line is Bama minus seven and a half. I believe that's the exact same line that the Sugar Bowl was. I think Clemson was a seven and a half point favorite in that game as well. Tim, give us your thoughts on this matchup. Yeah, not a lot different. I agree with Matt and Chad. Um, Best team we've played all year, best coach team we've played all year. Uh, And it's going to have to be their best game. They just played, Ohio State just played their best game. They're going to have to play a better game in order to win. Hmm. Uh, which is asking a lot. Uh, and so, you know, I, I totally agree. I think that, that Alabama's defense is uh, definitely gettable. Uh, I think fields and team will score points. Uh, and I ultimately think it's going to come down to, you know, can the defense, can our defense uh, really make the stops uh, against Alabama when we, when we need to? Uh, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a tall order. But uh, if they play the way that, that they're capable of, uh, it can happen. All right. Yeah, Paige, when you and I talked about this matchup yesterday on the phone, we were talking about Kerry Combs thinking, okay, how do I get three stops here? Right? Three stops. Is, is, is that the magic number? What's the magic number here in terms of stops that Ohio, the Ohio State defense has to come up with that'll be enough for the Ohio State de- offense then to counter with, with, with points? Give me your thoughts on this matchup. What do you think, Paige? Well, I mean, if it's three, so what, I mean, typically you get how many 10 possessions in a game. Sounds so, so the, yeah. So if they score seven touchdowns, I don't think we can win. Um, it's going to have to be more than three. And I, you know, I, I, I agree with everything that everyone said, except Tim said, they're going to have to play a better game. I, I don't know. 
I, I think if Ohio State plays as well or up to the level they played against Clemson, they, they'll beat Alabama. Um, you know, can they take it to a next level? I, I, I certainly hope so. The competition is definitely going up. I think, you know, Clemson is, is a great team, but they, they don't quite have the dynamic playmakers that they did last year and the kind of playmakers that Alabama has. Mm-hmm. I would say it right now, let's just gift, let's just give Smith the three touchdowns because he's going to get them, right. right? I mean, I don't know how you're going to stop that, but okay, so we'll give you that. We're going to take away something else. Harris, mm-hmm. um, pre- getting pressure on Mac Jones is probably going to be key. So again, to like Gallagher's point, our defensive line against their offensive line and Zach, you've said their offensive line is much better. I'll take your word for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure they are. Uh, but if we can get to Jones, I think we have a hell of a chance of winning this game. I think Ohio State will win this game. The other thing I would say is, and I mentioned it when we were talking yesterday, what a gift it is for Alabama, or for Alabama to just waltz through Notre Dame, you know, and right. you look at that Ohio State Clemson game dudes were just limping off that field Mm -hmm. left and right. I mean, it is such a difference, you know, from a physical perspective and the pounding those guys took Justin Fields. I, you know, for instance, Wyatt Davis Um, also went down. Wyatt Davis, you know, and, and Alabama didn't have to do that. That is definitely, in my opinion, a decided advantage for them, but you know, we have 10 days to, to rest up and recover. I think it's going to be a hell of a game. My initial thoughts on this are, Alabama has that dynamic playmaker on the outside that Clemson didn't. Paige, you pointed that out. And and I think Devontae Smith's probably going to win the Heisman. I think this Ohio State defense is schematically and personnel-wise designed to stop the run. And I think it can stop, if not stop, contain Najee Harris. So I think they're capable of doing that. Mac Jones isn't the athlete at quarterback that Trevor Lawrence is. You have to obviously respect what he can do as a passer. He's as good as anybody in the country throwing the ball, but I don't think they're going to have to worry about him as a runner. So that's that's one less concern. Maybe they can devote resources elsewhere, <laughs> knowing that they don't have to worry so much about Jones as a runner. Now, he is protected by a much better offensive line than Trevor Lawrence was. The Bama offensive line is one of three finalists for the Joe Moore Award, which goes to the best offensive line in the country. So it'll be a little bit more of a challenge for that Ohio State front seven facing that offensive line. But I and I tend to agree with you. Maybe you just live with Devontae Smith getting his and focus your energies on not letting Najee Harris being that other guy that kills you. Because if both those dudes are going, then you got a problem. And then on the other side of the ball, I'm sorry, I, I don't see anything from the Bama defense that makes me think that they're going to be able to slow down Ohio State. And they're 31st in the country in total defense. This is not one of Nick Saban's better defenses. In fact, I'd say it could 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 be one of his worst, at least statistically. We're talking about a Bama defense that gave up 46 to Florida in the SEC title game. They gave up 48 earlier in the year to Ole Miss. I expect that Justin Fields and Ohio State offense are going to be able to move the ball and score plenty of points. Be able, they, they can win a shootout, in my opinion, in this game. So I feel very good about Ohio State chances in this one. I really do. Why, why do you think the line's seven? Like, if you watch those two semifinal games, did, I mean, yeah. do you really think Alabama's seven? I mean, obviously they do, but yeah. I didn't see that. I mean, I 
I would think four. It just seems I agree. high to me. I wonder uh, if it it's gets way bet high. down. It's way high, and I think you make a good point. Does it get bet down? Is it just because it's Nick Saban and it's Alabama and because they've lived in this game practically for the last you know 10 years? Maybe it's that. But if you look at the 24-7 team talent composite, Alabama is just ahead of Ohio State. I think Georgia's number one, Bama's number two, and then right behind them, is Ohio State at number three? I sent you guys the link to the team talent composites, and if you look at the overall score, it's just a small, a few percentage points. Like they're very, very close in talent. So there's no real talent edge that Bama has over Ohio State in this one. I think Ohio State has the better quarterback. Uh, sorry, I mean, all due respect, I know Mac Jones has had the better overall season start to finish, but Justin Fields is the better quarterback. Sorry, um, and yeah. you know they've got the no. Bama's got probably the most dynamic playmaker after Fields in Devontae Smith, but I like this matchup. I like it a lot, and I think Ohio the Ohio State defense will be able to come up with more stops on the Alabama offense than the Alabama defense will of the Ohio State offense. At least that's my initial impression. Paige, you do make a good point, though, about the physical beating Ohio State took in that game with Clemson, namely the injury to Fields. How big of a, of a factor will that be in this game? And maybe, you know, you, Wyatt Davis and probably some other guys are pretty beat up. Will we get more guys back off the COVID list as well? Could we see Zach Harrison back for this game? Hopefully that that should help. But I, I think you make a good point. The other thing, I, did you guys happen to watch the semifinal though between Bama and Notre Dame? I personally, I kind of felt like if Notre Dame had just competent quarterback play and a decent passing offense. I feel like they could have made that a game. I did not think Alabama really overwhelmed them in the way most of us expect. I don't know. Chad, what did you think? Were you were you impressed by that performance? What, what did you think? I mean, you know, I certainly think Notre Dame had some chances, uh, you know, to make that a closer game. Um, but you know what? Hey, you know how I feel about Notre Dame. I mean, since the BC era, BCS area, Era, they're 0 and 7 and outscored by 161 points. It's time Ooh. to put them to bed. <laughs> they're all of it. Just, they're just no more. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'll, I'll <laughs> but can I say <laughs> one other thing? Can I say one other sure, thing? Sure, sure. Go ahead. That we, that we are playing in the national fucking championship, boys. How fucking great is that? It's awesome. Oh Very God. exciting. Very exciting. Tim, you were going to make a point. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say I had that exact thought, Zach. It was 21 to 7 in the third quarter, and Notre Dame had the ball. If they could just do anything, it would have been 21 14, and you'd have had a ball game in the third quarter, but yeah. they couldn't, they couldn't do anything. Uh, so I think I had that exact thought, which is if, if this Notre Dame team, which is, I don't think anywhere near Ohio State, uh, can be in that ball game in the third quarter. Uh, I, I like I like Ohio State's chances. I mean, I'm looking at what Notre Dame did defensively to to kind of hold out. Al- Alabama finished with 437 yards of total offense. Eh, it's okay. I mean, you know, not not overwhelming. And Najee Harris, he had an early run of 53 yards early in that game, but after that, you know, Notre Dame held him in check. He finished with 125 yards rushing on 15 carries. I think after that 53 yard run, Notre Dame held him to about five yards a carry. It's okay. I mean, he wasn't, he he didn't overwhelm the Notre Dame defense. And I think Ohio State could, I think they can do that. I think they can replicate what Notre Dame did. Paige, did you have any thoughts on on that game? What did you see? Anything stand out to you that, that you think might translate to Ohio State? 
Well, it's just funny, you know, the the broadcasters, they kept talking about, you know, Notre Dame has four outstanding tight ends and, uh, you know, they lost one of their tight ends. It, I've said this before. If, if your most dynamic player on offense is a tight end, you've got problems. <laughs> you've got problems. Yeah. And you definitely have problems against Alabama. And, you know, piggybacking on what you guys said, they have no dynamic playmakers at yeah. all. I mean, Book's a good quarterback. He's a crafty quarterback. But you're not beating Alabama with that. And so, yeah, I mean, and, and they did kind of hang around. I don't know. I, I, I watched the first quarter and then I was, you know, just kind of keeping track on it as we went along. And it, I kind of felt like Alabama uh, just sort of, you know, seemed disinterested after the, you know, mid second quarter, yeah, like these point. guys can't beat us. And so they took their foot off the pedal. That won't happen against us. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, um, they're going to see a totally different show from Ohio state and our offensive skill players, um, than, than they did against Notre Dame. And, you know, I, I love your point too. Like Mac Jones is a good quarterback, but you know, you do have Smith, I, you know, those guys are running wide open and I'll take Justin Fields against Mac Jones every day of the week, twice on Sunday. Yeah. As long as Fields is healthy, I love that matchup. And I, I we're going to go toe-to-toe with those guys. Absolutely. I'm totally expecting that. Matt, how about you? Any Did you glean anything from that Bama-Notre Dame game at all? You mean that Alabama scrimmage? No, I watched uh, watched uh, Cobra Kai with my daughters. That was a more useful use of my time. Well, guys, is there anything else that anybody would like to share either from the performance against Clemson or the matchup coming up with Alabama? All right, then. Listen, great effort for a Sunday. Thanks so much for putting in the time, guys. Let's plan to reconvene later this coming week to have a peek at the national championship game. You've been listening to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and visit our website at southstandsosu.com.